Welcome to episode 173 of Fredboard Rewind. My name is Spencer Lugenbuehl, and today my special guest is friend of the podcast, one of the founding members of Ten Strike Racing. It's Clay Sanders. Me and Clay go for three races from this past Saturday, Oaklawn Park. Those races were five, seven, and eight. And some angles that we talk about are how having a recency bias when going over the Oaklawn Strip can be can be a positive show of form, and how at five and a half dirt races you want to come from off the pace. This is Red Board Rewind. It's the same old story in this cycle. We go back and forth. We go back and forth. It ain't good for me. What we do this for? We go back and forth. Won't do this no more. Welcome in, my special guest for this week's edition of Redboard Rewind, friend of In the Money, friend of this podcast. Got to say hello in person for the first time over at Saratoga this year. It's Clay Sanders of Ten Strike Racing. Clay, how are you? I'm doing great, Spencer. I'm happy to be on here today. Happy to have you on. Like I said, it's probably been since Saratoga since we talked. Uh, how was your summer at Saratoga, and how has uh, Ten Strike been doing so far in this Oakland meet? Well, the summer at Saratoga was great. Uh, I got to spend the, the longest time I've ever spent up there. My I brought my family up. We spent uh, two full weeks, so it was a lot of fun getting to see everybody, spend a lot of time at the track, and it was great to meet you. And as far as 10 Strike, uh, you know, Oakland opened last weekend, so this is a meet that we always point for and uh, claim horses specifically uh, for this meet, and we've gotten off to a great start. We have uh, four wins out of eight starts, so it's hard to beat 50% win rate. I mean, as an owner, that that's, you know, that's what you want. Everyone's always talking about that 20% win rate. 50%, not too shabby in itself. Anything you've noticed so far, either horses you're trying to claim or, you know, races you're trying to target or even the biases so far for the meet? Well, so uh, the first two weekends had a, were a big difference. Uh, the first weekend, the weather was terrible. It mm-hmm. was uh, rainy. It was sloppy. Uh, actually, Marshall and I drove over for the Saturday, so we got to see uh, our horses in person and see the racing. And it was really hard to judge much off the first weekend. Um Second weekend, we got a fast track, so uh, you know probably get to see a little bit more biases in, over the long run. But you know, typically at Oaklawn, um, you know it's a more fair dirt track than most. Um, you still want to be close from a uh, you know you want to be close. You don't want to be coming from the clouds, but you know wiring uh, races is really hard. And probably the one thing uh, that I like most early in the Oakland meet is I think recency means a very much. If you'll go uh, look at the charts and see when the winners of last race, a vast majority are going to be within uh, five, six weeks. Uh, I think you have to have a fit horse. The track is uh, pretty tiring. So uh, I would avoid horses off layoffs right now uh, until you get past January. And then I think it kind of flattens it out, at least historically speaking. Let's talk just overall with you guys with 10 strike uh, i i know you guys have those stake winners as well when you're claiming horses what i don't i want to give away you know the golden goose here but what are you guys kind of looking for maybe looking at the vps and then watching the horse race throughout the day so i mean the one thing um that uh 
we specialize in and Marshall's the king, the king of the claiming and has, has the good eye for it. Mm-hmm. But uh, we like route races, especially route dirt races. So we were looking through PPs, you know, if we're looking at a turf race, we're going to be looking for horses that we think, you know, breeding wise, or they've shown something that are going to be able to switch back over to the main track. And we're always going to be looking for route pedigree. So sometimes you can see a horse that's bred either the um, sire or dam uh, side to go long and the trainers have only sprinted them. You know, maybe it's something that the trainer sees why they can't route. But a lot of times we've had success with, you know, certain sires and sire lines that uh, these horses will stretch out. And uh, that's kind of what we focus on. I love the fact that you guys pinpoint specific, you know, route or sprint. And, and I just like, cause that, so a lot of times there's so many horses in this, in this claiming game, you're trying to, you know, okay, what one out of a hundred can I do? And by chopping it down to just like, you know, that certain specific spot, maybe now it's only one in 25. And now you're able to look at the horses more and more and it takes less, you know, mental fatigue looking at, you know, a hundred horses compared to 25. That's right. That's right. So, I mean, there's pros and cons because I think a lot of people, there's more sprint races than route mm-hmm. races. So a lot of people are looking for sprinters because they have more options. So that kind of makes the pool a little, uh, you know, a little shallower for us. Now the frustrating side can be getting route races to go and you may have a, yes. a, a stable full of route horses and certain tracks, they may not be riding route races because the sprints feel easier. So, I mean, those are the pros and cons of uh, we specialize in. Kind of a unique thing, uh, the first weekend, um, Oakland ran six route races at Amama 16th and uh, 10 strike one, three of the first six. So it's certainly something that we uh, focus on. Uh, another good question just kind of popped in my head. And you talk about sometimes the route race is not going do you think it would be helpful, and listen, for the PDRFPPs or any PP program, if they were able to know which races didn't fill? Because a lot of times you see horses off, you know, that 31 to 60 day layoff. And sometimes it's not because they're on a layoff. It's because two races or one race didn't fill. And so a lot of people are like, oh, this, this layoff trainer is pinpointing this spot. And it's like, nope, he just didn't have two races fill. Well, no, I think that would, I don't know how they would track that or note it in the PPs, but no, that's a perfect point, you know. A lot of times somebody would say, oh, has this horse been hurt? And it's like, no, I mean, we've gone three months without (laughs) finding uh, a spot for the horse. And, you know, it's frustrating because you're paying bills and don't have purses in. But, no, you're exactly right. Uh, There's a lot of times, you know, you're just at the mercy of the uh, racing secretary and what races they let go. Let's keep this podcast going. Let's start off with these first three races. I had you pick out three races, picked out some nice ones. We're going to talk about races from this past Saturday. At good old Oakland Park, we're going to start with race number five. It's a 10,000 beaten claimer for non-winners three life. Non-winners over a certain period going that wonderful one and one sixteenth miles on the dirt. How are we going to start in here, Clay? So, interestingly, I, I choose a mile to 16th as uh, I say something that uh, 10 Strike focuses on. So, looking at this race, when I was going through it uh, the first time, uh, two horses jumped out to me. As far as, you know, what I thought fit, uh, the first time through, it was the three that kind of uh, jumped out, the wartime hero, um, nine to five on the morning line. But the one thing here is this horse was coming off a long layoff uh, from actually last uh, year at the meet from May of 22. So that had me keep looking. And then, you know, the other horse, the 12 primer dimer uh, with the Diodoro, um, uh, seven to two on the morning line looked like it fit but uh this horse well back up a second 
Deodoro is a, is a trainer, especially in these routes, that, uh, claiming routes that you have to pay sp- uh, specific attention to. Um, on our, as a route, uh, in his route claims, he's a 21% was 13 of 63 last year. Or in the, excuse me, the sprints, he was 13 of 63 for 21%. But in routes, he was 29%, 12 of 49. Mm-hmm. So his training methods, et cetera, actually uh, are more uh, suited for routing. And I don't think a lot of people would uh, notice that. But going back to Primer Dimer, this is a horse that um, you know comes off the pace, and uh, they are taking the blinkers off, so you may even be more off the pace. So the first, you know, my first go through, you know, those two horses jumped out, but not horses I really uh, were that interested in. So I, you know, had to go through a second time, and a horse that I uh, didn't look that closely at the first time through was the number two Driven One, and uh, so. It didn't really jump out from a figure perspective, but what caught my eye first was Ingrid Mason as the trainer. And if people watch Oakland closely, uh, Ingrid is a trainer that typically gets off to a hot start at Oakland. She'll win a race the first weekend or two at, you know, kind of boxcar odds. I know last year she didn't hit one, but if you go back further, she always, you know, brings in a, a price horse uh, opening weekend. So I kind of looked at this horse uh, driven one a little bit uh, closer and at first glance, uh, this horse looks like it might be a turf horse. Uh, it's only got two wins, and both of them are on the turf. But two back in an off-the-turf race, and then the other than at um, Indiana, the horse ran respectable. Ran, got a 71 buyer, was only beating three links. So I was, you know, was looking at that, and you know, this, the horse made some sense. It's going to be forwardly placed, and it's going to be a price it was eight to one on the morning line. But you know, in the um, when the real odds came out, this horse was 11 to one. And the one horse was catching a lot of money. Uh, Cash rocket was 15 to one on the morning line, but it was getting really bet uh, hard. And this uh, horse is owned by uh, Frank Fletcher, uh, who Tinstrax partnered with quite a bit. But this horse was coming off uh, Brittany Russell by, to a trainer uh, that I hadn't heard of Chelsea Moisey. And you know, this horse, I just couldn't believe was taking so much money. And so I really kind of zeroed in on driven one, thought that this horse would be forwardly placed and it was a good price. I'll start off with cash rocket for me. The fact that yes, is going from Brittany Russell to a trainer who I'm not all that familiar with either, but the two races back in the maiden special weight levels last year, you know, one of them being at Oakland with an 83 ended up being the highest figure this horse had run. And I saw 15 to one. I'm like, Okay, we can go a little bit contrarian here. When I saw two to one, I'm just like, okay, we're gonna jump off this horse real quick because this is the exact opposite of yeah. what I was trying to hope for here. At least not to get ten to one, such odds. Driven one for me was another one that, like you said, that race two back is just it's sneaky good for a trainer that you know I have at one second five starts so far through the meet. Oh for four at Oakland was a little bit scary. Oh for three at the distance was a little bit scary. Yeah. But if I don't like 0 for 3, I, I agree. I agree. If I don't like 0 for 3 at the distance, wartime here at, you know, 1 for 5 at 0 for 6 at Oakland, I mean, that's that's hard enough to take. Cipriano Contreras coming off that claim for 30, ran for 25, and now a long layoff. And you had already said, you know, you want these horses with recency being being more fresh. Couldn't go there. So now I'm trying to get, you know, like, damn, you know, once you start getting to the back part of the, of the pack, it's, am I even going to like a horse in this race? I thought Arrival was a little bit interesting. Don't know the connections all that well. Obviously, Burrell is, is is fine. Just had wins at Oakland at the distance. That 25,000 claimer a couple back made sense. The, the race is at Louisiana Downs. This one's also coming off a layoff. 
but at least the price was going to be right. I'm going to get 21 to 1. I'm thinking, okay, can I can I mix this horse in with anyone else? Then we get to Primer Dimer. I'm the same way with you. Diodoro, to me, is the most confusing, frustrating trainer until you start to break down on Formulator. The fact that he is a route trainer, everyone, I think, just looks at him as just an all-around good good trainer. 21% is very good, but to 29, now you're getting these guys who are hitting at 30% within specific subsets, and that makes them, for me at least, someone who I want to focus on just in that one subset because the money is baked in, yes, in all of the runners, but if it's baked into the good spots, at least I feel like I'm getting the best type of training job done by Diodoro. I agree. I agree. The other thing that kind of gave me a little worry at this amount of 16th distance was this horse being in the 12 hole. So that gave me a little more uh, pause as well. But uh, and then, you know, being I guess being off the pace, maybe you could tuck and get a uh, get position. But um, I, I agree with you. I, I did feel good enough here. I ended up going primer dimer and arrival, uh, both uh, wind dutching, hoping to get the bigger price. But at four to one, I'm still going to make a little bit of a bang for my buck. For you, it seemed like it was pretty much just going to be down to that number two horse there, that uh, the driven one. Am I correct? Yes. Let's see who can get it done here in the fifth right now. Pretty birdie and quick money break best. I'm the boss of me and Ari Oakley are close up. Caribbean Caper and Sarah Harper are next. Then comes Red Hot Mess and the trailer is Novel Squall. Pretty birdie crosses and clears. She can pick her path and it's the rail from Ari Oakley and I'm the boss of me. Pretty birdie into the far turn and the first poinsettia stakes leads by length. I'm the boss of me and Ari Oakley second and third. Sarah Harper is three deep in fourth and two from the front. Caribbean Caper has three lengths to make up. Then comes Red Hot Mess and quick money. Far Back to Novel Squall. Pretty Birdie trying to go all the way. She's a length in front. Ari Oakley moves through inside of both Sarah Harper and to the outside, I'm the boss of me. Pretty Birdie leads. Ari Oakley is up in two second. To the outside, Sarah Harper. She's running a good one in third. Then Caribbean Caper. Final furlong. Pretty Birdie leads. Sarah Harper comes after her in second. Then Ari Oakley and Caribbean Caper. Pretty Birdie is 16th out. And a two-length lead on Sarah Harper in second. It is Pretty birdie and driven one does get the job done 86 the winning buyer looking at 2280 the winning mutual mason ingrid getting it done here box car maybe not box car but for me a long shot's 10 to 1 so a good job there for me i feel like if i uh if i had gotten off primer dimer then i end up on two longer shots and maybe i get this one in there in the in the wind dutch but i just like deodoro and the fact that you had said such good stats routing Arrival didn't show up for me, so that guy is probably going to be on the uh, the no play zone until we see some uh, some more races out of that training outfit. Yeah, that makes sense. For for you in this race, seeing Driven One run so well and run the eighty six, and obviously Wartime Hero runs pretty much back to back the same type of race and runs a seventy seven. Uh, between the Wartime Hero at two to one, or you get all that money off Cash Rocket, I, I would still probably want Wartime Hero over cash rocket because that price and listen i'm not i'm not gonna try and start you know destroying morning line makers but i mean when they're going from 15 to 2 i mean i just need a little bit better job like at least make the horse 7 to 2 when we're going double digits to almost pretty much odds on for a pretty much a favorite in the race that's so hard for people to start handicapping and betting then oh i agree i mean look the morning line maker in oakland is awful it's uh I, i don't understand it um it's you know for a track that gets heavily bet to have a you know a morning line maker it's effectively a secretary that's not paying attention it's a really frustrating 
I mean, and, and cash rocket probably got bet a little bit because of those local connections. So, yes. you know, I think, you know, five to one probably would have made more sense on the form. I mean, that's what drew your eye to it. Was what caused it you know, more like five to one. And, you know, if you could get 15 to one, it would have been value. But um, yeah, it, the, the lines, you can't use it. Oklahoma. Let's move on to race number seven. Our second race of the podcast It is the poinsettia five and a half on the dirt. A little bit of stakes action here. $150,000. $150,000 case stake. What are we kind of liking here, Clay? Yeah, so this is a fun little uh, stakes race. Um, really competitive. So, you know, just a little background uh, for your listeners on five and a half races at Oakland. They pay, they play way more off the pace than the um, six prong races at Oakland. And, you know, first time looking through this field, I mean, just looks like there's a ton of speed. The uh, the one, Ari Oakley, uh, the six, Sarah Harper, the seven, Pretty Birdie, and the eight, uh, I'm the boss of me, all looked like they were going to go hunting for the front. So that made me, you know, try to figure out who, you know, either a closer or, you know, stalker with some talent. So uh, based on that, I kind of had it narrowed down to as far as the stalkers um, being uh, the number three novel squall for uh, John Ortiz and the two Caribbean uh, caper for uh, Al Stahl. So when I get down to those two, um, the Ortiz horse, uh, the three was, you know, one of these coming off a layoff again from May 30th. So that really, uh, um, you know, worried me about that horse. So I looked at the two a little bit harder. Um, this horse is consistent, kind of been running, you know, high eighties, uh, you know, ran, um, an 85 last time out, got beat three lengths at the fairgrounds, uh, going six on November 24th. So I had the recency and I thought it would just really trip out, um, behind what I was, uh, you know, anticipating to be a pretty, uh, good duel up front. So I, that's where I landed the two Caribbean caper. Uh, this one definitely in, in my rotation, like you had said, the nice recency Albert stall for me when I first started handicapping or talking back when like Arlington was still open and stuff like that. Definitely a guy who I, I love to uh, to be on. Novell Squall for me, listen, when you're running in the in the winning colors and then you're just not running that well and off a layoff, you're looking back through the carousel with a fine race, ended up winning the optional 80 N3X. This one had a little bit of class, but with the layoff, didn't want to do it. I th- I'm more on the outside. I'm the boss of me, Arietta, Greg Compton, had really good form coming in, two wins and a third in some lower-level racing, but, you know, when you have those the Back races at Oakland Park, and you're two for four. That's percent. Willing to take a little shot there. This one took way too much money, though. Ended up being my second choice then to Sarah Harper. Listen, Banjo, Ron Moquette. Ron Moquette's 36%. Um, when these guys get off to these hot starts, everyone always talks about it at the boutique meets. Oh, if they're off to hot starts, they never really cool down. I, I understand that they're going to cool down eventually here at Oakland, but I still want to press the gas and just try and see how much more value I can get out of this one. And when I'm getting a almost 40% trainer at seven to one with wins at the distance and at Oakland. Listen, the last two races, yes, they weren't amazing, but this one has okay back class. And when you look back, the, some of the best races were at Oakland when it had the 77 and 88 back to back had some other lower level classes, but now we're going, you know, fourth, fourth off a of left, which is not something that's, you know, a usual angle, but I thought the last race was too bad to be believed. The 76 two back fits in. Now we're getting back to Oakland as well, which is where the Swans run their best races. I thought seven to one was a steal here on Sarah Harper. 
Well, and what you're saying uh, is similar to when, when I say 10 strike points for Oakland, no trainer points for Oakland more than Ron Moquette. Mm -hmm. And he's a trainer you always have to track uh, here at Oakland because he's extremely streaky. And when he gets hot at Oakland, you have to pay attention. And one of the things that at the beginning uh, we're kind of alluding to is like these, these boutique meets, uh, Oakland, Saratoga, they don't have the same quality of uh, trainers and racehorses. But you have the the streakiness at both uh, at both tracks, and uh, you know the trainers. I would l encourage all your um, listeners to track is Deodoro, Moquette, Hartman, Ortiz, and to a lesser extent Asmussen, and track them. Don't just look at when we get later into the meet at their win percentage. Look at their last twenty. How are they doing? Because when they get hot, you have to include them in the um, your picks. But when they get cold, you can leave them off. And Diodoro is 8 for 23 to start. Moquette 6 of 18. Hartman 5 of 12. Ortiz is 0 for 12. And Asmussen is 1 for 29. So, you you know, both all these are good trainers, but you got to be uh, cognizant of where they are in their own form cycles of where they are at this point. For me, Sarah Harper trying to get a little bit of a long shot in here. Caribbean caper for Clay. Let's see who gets done right now. Pretty birdie and quick money break best. I'm the boss of me and Ari Oakley are close up. Caribbean Caper and Sarah Harper are next. Then comes Red Hot Mess and the trailer is Novel Squall. Pretty birdie crosses and clears. She can pick her path and it's the rail from Ari Oakley and I'm the boss of me. Pretty birdie into the far turn and the first poinsettia stakes leads by length. I'm the boss of me and Ari Oakley second and third. Sarah Harper is three deep in fourth and two from the front. Caribbean Caper has three lengths to make up. Then comes Red Hot Mess and quick money. Far Back to Novel Squall. Pretty Birdie trying to go all the way. She's a length in front. Ari Oakley moves through inside of both Sarah Harper and to the outside, I'm the boss of me. Pretty Birdie leads. Ari Oakley is up in two second. To the outside, Sarah Harper. She's running a good one in third. Then Caribbean Caper. Final furlong. Pretty Birdie leads. Sarah Harper comes after her in second. Then Ari Oakley and Caribbean Caper. Pretty Birdie is 16th out. And a two-length lead on Sarah Harper in second. It is Pretty birdie two one and pretty birdie gets the job done 91 the winning buyer looking at 1060 as a winning mutual this one not one that we really talked about i had crossed this one out at three to one for norm cassie just another one who had you know monster monster class levels but hadn't really done much running in the last couple and had the layoff for me this is a whole yeah, that you know at four to that's one. what's off is that layoff i mean you're right i mean it was kind of similar to your horse uh summer squall as far as was classier you know second to eight bells and actually won on this track in the yeah. purple martin i thought it was going to get caught up in the speed uh brigade early and you know i, I didn't like that it had been off but the one thing i will uh point out is uh norm had uh, two bullets in the holster with the pretty birdie in the uh, last three works so that kind of was probably signaling she was sharp and ready, and she sure ran like it. I think as well, too, and if you're looking at, you know, formulator with those wonderful time form U.S. pace advantages, 143 and 113, pretty hot fractions for that victory ride. So when this one backs up and finishes fifth by uh, by margin, you can kind of forgive that. And the 289s, three and four back in the Purple Martin and the eight bells, pretty good figures here. Felt, felt kind of sick to not get it done with Sarah Harper here, who gets that nice improvement, gets right back to those, 87 numbers that we had seen with the Oakland races in the previous year, but was never going to be better than pretty birdie in this race. It seemed. That's right. But the horse ran really well. And uh, I think this is a horse you got to pay attention to at Oakland, uh, especially if Moquette's uh, firing hard. 
any quick thoughts on your horse, Caribbean Caper, came running a third? Yeah, I mean, I just think she was up against it from a pace perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and you know, maybe uh, this horse maybe had kind of leveled out. Uh, and, you know, Al Stahl, you know, 14% trainer, you know, probably having somebody that was stabled on the grounds versus a shipper probably be kind of the things that probably um, – probably were against this horse and you know five to two but maybe too short given the given the uh, circumstances what's one of the last races this pod race number eight from oakland park one of my favorite just types of races just that basic n1x allowance going back to that fun one and one sixteenth mile distance on the dirt clay in this race for me i ended up with two i thought the two that i wanted disc jockey number one again diodoro going long look at these past couple of races win win and win one is razor sharp coming in here off the claim, two straight wins and claiming off Peter Miller, kind of hard to do. I thought winter would be interesting as a longer shot coming in off the last race with a second. It was off the turf at Churchill Downs. And if you look back, one back in the starter allowance wins by a little less than two lengths. I thought this one at a price was good as well. I used disc jockey and winter wood as my top two. So I was kind of on the same page with you with this jockey, but kind of a couple things uh, about this race to draw your um, your listeners to. Mm-hmm. A new thing at Oakland this year is horses that have won their N1X at lesser tracks are still eligible because they add in the money uh, condition to bring these horses from Indiana Remington into these conditions. So um, like number nine, disc jockey has mm-hmm. won both this N1 and N2X. Now is getting to go against N1X uh, competition. That's a big advantage of horses that have already worked through their conditions at another track. The uh, the one reason I picked this race out was I think this is a classic uh, handicapping angle. Is the m- number one Barber Road is a horse in this race that everyone's going to have heard of. It was on the Triple Crown Trail, but you know hasn't run since the Belmont. You know, with six in the Derby. You know, so one of these horses everyone's going to be oh yeah that's a, that's a good horse. It was going to be way over bet. Coming off a layoff, this is certainly not the race that they're uh, focusing on. So this was just a get started point. These are the type of horses they win a lot of these, but they're always over bet and they're great horses to take on in the mutual pools. That's uh, so when I was looking at it, the two horses, the, the race came up a little softer than I wanted, you know, given that you know one really wanted to beat Barbara Road. But I thought the two horses that could run a good enough race to win were U.S. Navy Cross for Broberg. Uh, the three and the nine uh, previously discussed the uh, Diodoro uh, disc jockey. The three uh, for uh, Carl Broberg, U.S. Navy Cross was a closer, had just won its N2X, similar to disc jockey, but I thought it was just going to be coming from too far out of it. Mm-hmm. So I settled on disc jockey. I love horses that get on these uh, hot winning streaks, one, three in a row, as you pointed out. It was going to be forwardly placed. And I thought potentially might even get the lead. The 10 uh, storm pattern for Maker was faster on time form from the early pace, but this is another horse that's stretching out. And a lot of these stretch out speed horses, if they're worried about them getting the distance, they'll take a hold and let uh, kind of conserve energy and let the other horses run. So I thought the disc jockey could get loose on the lead. Uh, another great thing that you brought up with, with, we're talking about Barbara road here. You thought this horse would get bet. He went off four to five in the morning line, went off at pretty much four to five in the betting and then you have a horse like Disc Jockey that, you know, took a little bit of money, had that three-game winning streak. These are the type of horses that you have to attack here because this horse without a horse like Barbara Roden is probably 9-5, to 8-5. to five. 
you're getting so many extra points of value here going off at three to one. I can't agree with you more. And we're going to pretty much call this our uh, little double down pick here with this jockey for me and Clay. Let's see if this one can get it done right now. Disc Jockey and Stormy Pattern show speed. So does Malibu SS. These three are quickest. Then Winterwood and Barber Road, followed by Cat Daddy. And the early trailer is U.S. Navy Cross. At the rail, Malibu SS. Disc Jockey between horses. And at the outside, Stormy Pattern. And Disc Jockey takes over the lead, three-quarters of a length. Stormy Pattern goes after him as Malibu SS relents and takes back third. Two lengths to Winterwood in fourth. Another two to Barber Road. He's fifth and about five from the front. Then it's a big gap back to the two trailers, and they are U.S. Navy Cross and Cat Daddy at the back of the pack. And the leader is Disc Jockey taken on by Stormy Pattern from the outside, and these two will now match strides at the half-mile marker. Disc Jockey just in front. Stormy Pattern is second by two and a half lengths to Malibu SS and Winterwood. Barber Road is still fifth, and he's still about five from the front. Then it's six lengths back to U.S. Navy Cross and Cat Daddy around the far turn. Disc Jockey is the leader, and he's traveling well. He leads by two lengths from Stormy Pattern. Winterwood is moving up outside of him. Here's Winterwood into second. Then Malibu SS. Barber Road is still fifth, and he's still five lengths behind. He has got to go from there. Here's Winterwood. Threatening to run a big race outside of Disc Jockey. Winterwood outside. Disc Jockey inside. We have a new leader. It's Winterwood. And now he leads Disc Jockey by a half length. Barber Road is going to do no better than third. Winterwood or Disc Jockey. These two. Disc Jockey counter-punching from the inside. Disc Jockey or Winterwood. Disc Jockey, Winterwood. Disc Jockey in the front. And Disc Jockey does get the job done. 97 the winning buyer. $8 the winning mutual. Winter would run second for me. Would I have liked the better price? Probably, but always good if when uh, you can get a teammate like me and Clay to hit the same horse all at once. Barber Road runs that good third. Like you said, ran, ran good enough as a prep, just not good enough to win. Absolutely. And, you know, like you were saying earlier, I was surprised this horse wasn't more like two to five and, you know, would have helped the odds on our other horses. It almost was signaling that they didn't think this horse was ready being four to five, mm -hmm. that it didn't, uh, didn't get bet down. But uh, certainly would have wanted more than three to one on this jockey. But yeah, your horse ran huge, uh, um, Winterwood, and really I <laughs> thought was going to beat uh, beat the um, this jockey. I love how how much too with you. You say this is a classic handicapping angle, and this is the whole reason for this show is you can find this type of race every single week now, even leading into the Triple Crown next year, where these horses are going to come off long layoffs. And there's a difference. Yeah. This type of horse is a no bet. One of my favorite bets is those two year olds that run well in the summer, but then they take that nice long layoff and they come back that first race at Gulfstream or Aqueduct and they win with like a 94 buyer and they just blow the doors off and they're still, you know, eight to five, nine to five. Those are the type of layoff horses I love to aim for now going into December, January, February. Well, Spencer, that happens at Oakland all the time too. And uh, I, I, I think these horses, will, <laughs> by, I think my rule of thumb is more like three to four buyer points a month. And mm -hmm. like you said, a horse can run once or twice in their two-year-old year, then they've given them time off. But this horse is, is maturing, it's growing, and they come back in February or March, you know, at Aqueduct, uh, Gulfstream, or Oakland, and they've improved. But you have other horses that they're running against that have more recency but they've already shown uh, what they can run. So the horses that make these big jumps and can be 10 to one, and you know maybe they jump 20 buyer points, like where did that happen? Well, the horse hadn't run in six months and they just are progressing 
you're just not seeing it uh, in the races on the form. And even with these types, it doesn't have to just be Pletcher Brown. Those guys do, you know, they take a couple buyer point hits or just points on the line hits in general for how good they are. I'm talking yep. no name middle middle line trainers. Every single year, they find those one or two good, decent two year olds that they have out of their crop. They're not they're having the fifty like the Top Guns are, and you can find these exact examples every single week at races like Oakland Park and like every other place that we talked about before. I totally agree, Spencer. That is all the time we have for today's podcast. I do want to thank my special guest, Clay Sanders, for uh, sticking out with me through some, you know, minor computer, minor Wi-Fi problems. Thank you so much. Appreciate you for coming on. Where can people find more about 10 Strike Racing and just to talk with you about some Oakland racing in general? Well, you can go to our website at tinstrikeracing.com. Uh, we have our email addresses, phone uh, number. You can reach uh, Marshall and I on Twitter. I think he's at Truxton Stables. I'm at C-H-S-A-N-D-E on Twitter. So uh, reach out anytime. Happy uh, to discuss racing with anybody. Thank you so much for coming on, Clay. I appreciate it. Thanks, Spencer. This podcast and the rest of the podcast on the Money Media Network. also want to thank my special guest, Clay Sanders, for coming on. Talking all things Oakland Park with myself. This show has been a production of In the Money Media. In the Money Media's president is Peter Thomas Fornatel. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. And our In the Money Media business manager is Drew Coatney. I'm Spencer Luganbuehl. We will see you next time.